HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, road trippers, I've got a little pre-show preamble for some breaking news out of the Beverage Testing Institute. If you don't know them, well, you should. Since 1981, they've been testing and rating over a thousand bottles of spirits, wine, and beer every year. So they've got a deep historic database with tasting notes online at tastings.com. It's a great tool for when you're in a liquor store and wondering, does this little bottle, does it taste as good as it looks? But anyway, the breaking news is this. For the first time in the Institute's more than four-decade history, they're releasing today their list of the top 25 spirits of the year. Now, I'm going to do an episode about this in the near future. And spoiler alert, part of that episode will be about my frustration that there are only two mezcals on this list and neither one of them is number one. But for now, I just wanted to note the breaking news so that I didn't get scooped by my friend Chava over at Heritage Mezcal. Okay, if you wanna check that list out, again, go to tastings.com. All right, Roy, now, Please start the engines for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I'm Lou Bang. And I'm Linda Sullivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Greg X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural... Mexico. Vroom, vroom. I've got a preachment, dear friends. You are about to receive all my well nicotine and the temptations of McGay. Welcome to this very weird church. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Which is what this episode is about. It's the Church of Our Lady of Tequila. So, so Linda, I have heard all sorts of things in the world of Gave spirits that are supposed to be sacred and treated with respect. But that, to me, that begs the question, was it, what does it mean exactly to respect something? Or more importantly, what constitutes disrespect? Mm, I think this is a very curious intersection yeah. of, I don't know if the right category is morality. 
Um, I think there's some fuzziness between ethics mm-hmm. and morality. And then I will even angle further and maybe include spirituality because yeah. a lot of us get our morality from that angling, right? <laughs> and to talk about any of those categories that are very precious and super near and dear to the very center of us, our soul, or where we're getting our spirituality or value system, to talk about that in the world of spirits Mm -hmm. is fairly unusual. Is it unusual, though? I mean... Like, like this is, you know, to me, the the fascinating intersection is exactly that word, spirit, right? And my understanding is when they first discovered distillation and they dropped a piece of meat in, in the first spirit, like, it didn't rot, and they thought somehow it was our connection to the spirit world. Mm. Well, so we're talking, when we talk about agave spirits, we are primarily talking about culture, generational stories, oral storytelling even, and teaching that goes down, right, from often a parent to a child. And in my education, Mexican culture is braided really hard between the daily way that they live and rituals they keep in non-churchy or spiritual spaces, like their home, like their business, in a way different capacity than we live here in the United States of America. Think of our big separation of church and state. I don't think of the word separation when I think of how entangled some rituals and practices are in the, air quotes, regular life of spiritual people in Mexico. Gosh, you know, like this is not where I expected us to go, but now you've got me. Already. Yeah, already. (laughs) But now you've got me thinking about something that sort of puts a new twist on how I was thinking about this episode, hmm. Linda. So, you know, the, we did it, we did it, Chava and I did an episode um, uh, a while back about Pachuga. There was a post that we found online, and I'll, I'll link to that episode because it was a while ago in, on, the, on our webpage. I'll link to it. Um, but it was, there was a post online from somebody saying that he saw, was a chef in New York City, and he saw that there was pachuga for sale at the bar in the restaurant where he worked, and he was offended by that. And he was offended by that because pachuga to him from the, I believe, Oaxacan community from which uh, he uh, came, to him that was a very sacred thing. Oh, I remember this episode. Okay. Oh, really? I think I do. I barely do. But, um, you know, so, so like, there was the whole conversation around, well, what does that mean? And, you know, without question, there are, there are communities and families and people for whom um, Pachuga is sacred. They're making it for those sacred purposes and those celebrational purposes and those family purposes. Uh, but then clearly there's also Pachuga that's being made for commercial purposes, right? Right. So... And I'm getting back to what you said, I promise. Just give me a minute. Why are you looking so anxious? A minute or three. Okay, more like six minutes. That's fair. (laughs) Um, And and that also then begs the question when people talk about, well, you know, the the mezcal is sacred. Same thing. Some of it is made to be sold. Some of it is absolutely made with this sacred thing in mind. Um, And agave is sacred. Well, okay, so now some agave is sacred. Some agave was literally planted, right? But then this brings me back to that daily ritual thing that you're talking about. And my head went to the nixtamalization of, my tongue didn't go there, to the nixtamalization of corn on a daily basis to make the masa, to make the tortillas. So, 
you know, you're, you're somebody who actually has a background in religion. I'm, I'm somebody who got kicked out of religion. So, like, completely different perspectives, oh, right? Oh, gosh, there's no way to make this episode contained in the time that you make these episodes. Okay, so there's, like, 15 things I want to say to that. Yes. Wow! <laughs> okay, so what you just said about the pechuga, though, is super interesting. And for the, the people who listen to this podcast, your gringo bartenders are very— this is super relevant because there's a whole thing going on with Green Chartreuse right now, who— Green oh. Chartreuse— is being made it has always been made by monks yeah and the the demand went up during the pandemic alcohol was like one of very few industries that made tons of money you know when there was lots of struggle and the monks essentially this is a, a gross summary but the monks essentially were like yeah we're not going to make any more than what we're making like our pars are our pars and that fits with our you know the lifestyle that we do even though the demand was skyrocketing so it's very likely based on supply chain that in the next i don't know x amount of years we're going to have a pretty significant shortage of green chartreuse and the price is probably going to go up and it's probably not going to show in cocktails the way that it has you know my favorite cocktail the last word is probably not going to be on bar menus as as you know proliferously not a word i don't no, know, Pro, know that, that like works. all over get, it's not yeah. going to be around yeah. so you know, that's the you same know type of could, thing like you, you were saying you know about we could solve that though I don't know, buy it all? No, no, no. Just don't <laughs> let anybody from Dark Matter Coffee drink chartreuse, and pretty soon you don't have the uh, the shortage anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. We love you, Dark Matter. Um, it, it, okay, so that's that's interesting. So that for them, the 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 sacredness was no. It's just our practice. It's not responding. They're ref, they're kind of refusing to respond to the supply and demand, the economics of their product, because they want they are choosing. It seems to me to keep sacred w- what it means to them and the and the production either level of it, the process of it, the ritual of it, right? Oh, that's really, it's fascinating to think about to them, the sacred piece isn't the spirit, but the process of making the spirit. Mm -hmm. And they're they're doing it to fulfill whatever, you know, uh, this is kind of a, I don't know, um, detailed or or emotionless way to say it, but it's checking a box for them that works for their spiritual relationship, their higher power, their, you know, meditative, ritualistic relationship. And not to please anyone outside those walls. Oh, I love that. Okay, so that was one of the fifteen things. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wait, bring me back. What <laughs> so, were the other? So tortillas. Things? Okay. Well, the tortillas. This is a really beautiful one. Working like in the kitchen at Topolobampo, where yeah. I was for many years, yeah. you could see over the line was like sort of open to the restaurant. So when we would run food and pick up plates, you could see over, and there were typically a couple of folks in the back that would make tortillas mm-hmm. by hand and and heat them on the little comal the most of the shift everything made by hand the nixtamalization happened in house it was really a beautiful process you would see the the little tortilla puff up they would poke it by oh. hand flip it over right like all all with bare hands yeah. not even using tools right and that comal is hot 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 yeah. and and they just knew exactly how to grab the edge of it flip it over um so i enjoyed watching that process like, you know, when I was just getting my first table, it wasn't like rushing yet. Yeah. And coming from many, many years of having sort of meditative, but that that's a that even that vocabulary is a little Eastern and that's more from my therapy <laughs> um, world, <laughs> yeah. but in more of a Bible driven evangelical dare I say culty world from mm-hmm. my past, that was a very prayerful process 
to watch that. Just just to watch it, not even participate. No, no, not even participate. I mean, I maybe made a, a you know a tortilla from hand once with great instruction, and probably also sucked. But just to watch <laughs> her take the little. I mean, no, she didn't even need to measure it. She knew from the feel in her hand, every single tortilla was identical. But she would take the ball out, roll it, and she'd be having little bits of conversation in Spanish and English and Spanglish yeah. while she was doing it. There was things happening. There were things happening in fast forward. There was, you know, ceviche and stuff happening right over her left shoulder, dessert to the, to the like, out her left, you know, periphery, a full fire grill on her right side. Like, there was stuff happening everywhere, and yet, just, like, scoop, roll, smash, you know, press, unrelease the press, pull off the little paper onto the comal a certain amount of time, f- poke, flip, flip, put in the little box, <laughs> put the box up, like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. every time it was very, like, it felt like prayer. And I thought that was cool. God, you know, so this, as you're talking about this as prayer, as meditation, as ritual, and then you talk about the monks making their green chartreuse where it's, again, it's it's not the end product that's the sacred thing. It's not the tortilla is not sacred. The chartreuse isn't sacred. But you found that, and and you know, I don't know if the the I think you said a woman was making the tortillas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the one that I'm pulling to mind right now. But there were there were more than one. Yeah, but but did did you ever have that conversation with her? Was it sacred to her the process? Oh, interesting. I don't think I ever brought up uh, that point with that level of detail. Um, I would use my limited Spanish. I, I do remember telling her that I thought it was beautiful. Like watching her was beautiful because yeah. I could find the present tense words and conjugations in Spanish to say that while only looking like a little bit of a moron. So, <laughs> like a little bit of a moron. Hey, hey, I probably sound like a sixth grader using my Spanish, so I'm a little self-conscious about that. <laughs> That's okay. I don't use any Spanish, and even in English, I feel like a moron more than a little bit. But, you know, the, the way you're describing that actually reminds me of how I feel when I'm at, well, any of these palenques, but especially at Lalo's palenque, right, where he's got so much religion integrated into his process where you know he'll he'll plant that cross on top of his uh, his orno his oven after it's filled and you know when it's cooking and he has the same not as that's a big cross and then he's got the little crosses in each of his fermenters yeah i remember the little ones that was one thing that stuck out to me after visiting his palenque because His fermentation tanks are one of the first that I saw Mm -hmm. getting into mezcal in person. Yeah. And when you get the, does he ferment with bagasso? Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) So unusually, some people have a, especially when you ferment with bagasso, you have that thick layer on top. So there's like a, a solid there and the little wooden crosses stick in like they're in quicksand or something. So I remember seeing those in there and I was like, oh, interesting. Like he went this intentional step to like sort of bless this part of the process and and stick this cross in like what is this? You know, it looks like a quicksand layer on top of the juice, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, you know, which so to tie this into how you feel uh, when you're watching this woman make the tortillas, like for me, I you know I I was raised Jewish and I gave it up for Lent. I like I I, I 
I describe myself as uh, an apathetic agnostic, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know and I don't care. There's a great there's a great line in um, Nick Hornby's High Fidelity book that goes something like, you know, I I don't believe in heaven, but I want to be the kind of person who would qualify to get in. You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, to me, that's like that. That's sort of the ethos I want to carry. And so I, I'm not a religious person, but there's something that I find truly beautiful looking at these crosses and recognizing the 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 meaning uh, and and the spirituality of that process for Lalo. And yet, you know, to to your point, like Lalo, oh man, I now I want to have this conversation with him. To your point, like certainly the process is sacred for him, but he's selling his agave spirits, which he would call mezcal, but the government won't allow him to. Um uh, he's selling that commercially. Mhm. And yet the process itself is still so sacred to him and his fellow Palenqueros and his family. Well, I think that almost opens up a whole nother black hole of curiosity for me because the difference between the process and the end result um, seems, in my mind, to hold a whole nother set of parallels between the bar industry and the church world, the religion world, yeah. um, more hinging on the idea of hospitality. Oh, so yeah, but that's like a whole separate it might episode, be, I Yeah, think. put a pin in that. Yeah, yeah, because, well, yeah, no, not even might be. Like, that's what we're recording in this vehicle next. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, and but, by vehicle, you mean studio. Yes, I do. Okay. But mobile <laughs> studio. You know, but, but, I, but I will say to sort of tie all of this together— you know, there's there's also this this concept related to what we're saying, right? Where some people will say, "Oh, you should never use mezcal to make a cocktail. It's too sacred. It's too important." And if you go back to what you're saying um, uh, about process and how process can be sacred, you know, I think if you are acknowledging and respecting the ingredients, it's like you're you're not disrespecting the corn by nixtamalizing it. Right. And I, I, I wonder if you can't look at how a bar and I'm not a bartender. You you are like, sometimes sometimes <laughs> I wonder if you can't look at that process of making a cocktail as and not always. Sometimes it's just commercial. Sometimes you're just making the vodka soda. But but sometimes you're trying to find the, the beauty in that ingredient in a way that reflects the spirituality of the process that we see so frequently in Mexico, maybe? Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. And I think it's it can be so subtly shifted. I, I think I'm a big fan of uh, Priya Parker, who is more of like a social, um, I would call her kind of an ethnographist, ethnographist who like looks at community, looks at how we interact with one another. And she's very big on like intentionality, yeah. right? You could crush a, a gin and tonic and be mm-hmm. like, oh, that was great. I'm like a little drunk now, right? right? Or you could select a gin that you just learned about from South Africa that has this certain Fenboss, you know, um, botanical that's yeah. only grown there. It's it's endemic to the region, blah, blah, blah. And this tonic that you know uses a, you know, level of quinine and this, you know, basil that is special, blah, blah, blah. Mix them together and be like, oh, that's a, you know, rock and gin and tonic. And I really appreciate it. And I'm going to like close my eyes and savor every sip, blah, blah, right? Same, same drink. It's a G&T. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you could be you could really sink down in the moment and and come to it with intention, or you could like crush three in a row and not really pay attention and and then be kind of drunk and maybe that was your goal, or maybe you were paying attention to what your goal was. So <laughs> yes, I think that you could honor the journey that something went through and use it at the end, like respectfully. Or you could ignore the journey and, you know, take the shot and go to the next place with your friends or, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily even angling towards like, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. I really try to pull away from that dichotomy. But I think that if we come to something with intention, um, we come with a curious posture and, and we do try to savor that moment, whatever it is, if it's eating that taco that had the handmade tortilla, a taco takes, you know, three bites to eat. That again, that's gone really quickly. Just, just two for me. I've got a very big mouth. Just two. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> not. You better really savor those bites then. Oh, that's really beautiful. I love, I love what you just said as the conclusion. All right, let's wrap with that. Okay, I'll catch you next episode, Linda. Hasta pronto. Hey, that's my line. Oh. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you hear on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly, too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly to listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stretching capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip. Out.